Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. They take care of our air conditioning, and they'll do a great job for you. Visit the website and give them a call at johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have great guests for today's show, including Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Larry Bell is an endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of several books. His latest, What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional, we'll visit with uh, Professor Bell as well. It is August the 25th, and on this day in 325, the Council of Nicaea, the Nicaean Council, the first ecumenical debate held by the early church, concluded with the establishment of the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Convened by Roman Emperor Constantine I in May, the Council also deemed the Arian belief of Christ as inferior to God as heretical, thus resolving the early church crisis. The controversy began when Arius, an Alexandrian priest, questioned the full divinity of Christ because, unlike God, Christ was born and had a beginning. What began as the academic theological debate spread to the Christian congregations throughout the empire, threatening a schism in the early Christian church. Roman Emperor Constantine I, who converted to Christianity in 312, called bishops from all over his empire to resolve the crisis and urged the adoption of an early creed and a new creed that would resolve the ambiguities between Christ and God. Meeting at Nicaea in the present-day Turkey, the Council established the equality of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit into the Holy Trinity and asserted that only the Son became incarnate as Jesus Christ. The Arian leaders were subsequently banished from the churches for heresy, the Emperor Constantine presided over the opening of the council and contributed to the discussion. <clears throat> so, uh, this 325 years after the birth of Christ, and uh, now beginning to solidify into uh, the bureaucratic church. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced he would be announcing the, the state legislature or asking for $5 million to aid law enforcement agencies with recruiting efforts. He announced the three proposals that he said would present to, he'd present to the next session of the Florida legislature to help law enforcement community attract qualified candidates and help recruit new talent. As so many cities and uh, states chose to disrespect, degrade, and defund the honorable work of law enforcement, we want Florida to continue valuing our men and women of law enforcement today, tomorrow, and for generations to come, he said. The three uh, areas DeSantis was referring to is the new uh, officer sign-on bonuses, academy scholarships, and out-of-state relocation support. He plans to ask the legislature for $5 million for the academy scholarship program created through the Department of Education. It will provide additional resources for law enforcement academy enrollees. It will be the, on a first-come, first-served basis. So interesting. Certainly a lot of, I'm sure, very disenchanted police officers and law enforcement officers across the country, and uh, we'd like to get the very best right down here in Florida. By the way, this was a, a speech that he gave up in Indianapolis to uh, a, a group of uh, law enforcement officers. Former University of Georgia and NFL running back Herschel Walker 
filed to run for U.S. Senate in Georgia, making him the highest-profile Republican to jump into the race against incumbent Democrat Senator Raphael Warnock. Walker's campaign filed paperwork with the Federal Election Commission on Tuesday. He's untested politically, but enters the race with nearly universal name recognition in Georgia, where he won a 1982 Heisman Trophy as the running back of the University of Georgia. Former President Trump, who has known Walker for decades, and some of his allies urged Walker to end the race, and now he's done it. This has been going on for several months. I'm really pleased that we'll have a high-profile name running against uh, this imposter, Warnock, uh, who is a Senate from, senator from Georgia. The uh, Supreme Court of the United States denied a plea from the President Joe Biden's Department of Justice to halt the Migrant Protection Protocols program, which a lawsuit brought by Texas and Missouri makes its way through the courts. On Tuesday evening, in a 6-3 decision, the Supreme Court issued an order denying DOJ's request for the court to stay a, uh, issue a stay that would block the re-implementation of the MPP, commonly known as the Remain in Mexico. While the case plays out in courts, a process that could take more than a year, Chief Justice John Roberts, along with Chief Justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Leto, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett voted to deny the request, while uh, Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan voted to grant the request. In April, after Biden administration announced it would remain in Mexico, Paxson and Schmidt filed a lawsuit against the Department of Homeland Security and unlawfully made the decision. Weeks ago, Trump appointed Judge Matthew Kazmark in Texas ordered uh, that Biden administration to reinstate the Remain in Mexico months after Biden's DHS started releasing thousands of these folks and migrants into the U.S. interior. Last week, a three-judge uh, panel of the Fifth Circuit Appeals denied Biden's request to freeze the lower court's order and halt the uh, reinvestment, reinstatement of the Remain in Mexico. As a result, Remain in Mexico was supposed to be reinstated by Saturday be interesting to see if Biden really follows through on this. He's supposed to, but he's been pretty uh, unlawful up to this point with regard to the border. I wonder if he'll uh, abide by the decision by the Supreme Court. Well, we'd certainly hope so. <clears throat> After uh, two decades of combat, Americans by more than two to one say the war in Afghanistan launched in the wake of the 9-11 attacks wasn't worth it. It's a new USA Today Suffolk University poll. Three out of four predict the Taliban-led country will once again become a haven for terrorists targeting the United States. For President Joe Biden, the cost of the war's chaotic end has been steep. His overall job approval rating now stands at 41%, who approve versus 55% who disapprove. That's a pretty big drop in the closely watched barometer of political health. Until last week, national polls generally showed his approval rating at about 50%. Now he has held the backing of 87% of Democrats. Only 32% of independents say he's doing a good job. The poll was taken Thursday through Monday when the nation's headlines were dominated by scenes of desperate families trying to evacuate Kabul airport and a surge of COVID-19 cases across the United States. Half approved of his handling of the pandemic, 39% of his handling of the economy, 26% of the handling of Afghanistan, two-thirds of only 7,500 viewers of the Biden's latest press conference held yesterday. Gave it a thumbs down. That's 5,000 folks gave it a thumbs down. But of course, this is the guy that won 81 million votes in the 2020 election. Who would believe that? I certainly don't. 
Well, the CIA agency director, William Burns, met in person with the top Taliban leader uh, during a low-publicity rendezvous in Kabul on Monday. Burns, a former diplomat and deputy secretary of state, traveled to the war-torn capital city of Kabul in Afghanistan for undisclosed negotiations with Baradar that, according to reports first shared by the Washington Post, while the CIA has remained tight-lipped about the details of the meeting, Burns' position as a CIA director and a former high-ranking member of the U.S. State Department makes him the highest-ranking U.S. official to ever meet with the Taliban's top brass in the flesh. Word of the high-level meeting began uh, between Burns and a longtime diplomat now heading the spy agency under Biden came as the U.S. mold extending the U.S. August 13th deadline to evacuate Afghanistan. Taliban spokesman warned of consequences if the U.S. remained in Kabul into September, but the massive evacuation effort is proving difficult and the military is running out of time to pull out American workers, citizens, contractors, and Afghans who served in the U.S. over the last 20 years. The Taliban has tightened their grip on Kabul as more U.S. citizens and Afghan allies attempt to flee the increasingly hostile nation. Reports of beatings at checkpoints outside the airport have begun to pour in from Kabul, and the U.S. Embassy in the city has stated that it cannot guarantee safe passage to the airport. The violence continues to escalate. One Afghan soldier was shot and killed in the airport by an unknown hostile actor. Uh, the Taliban has successfully control, taken control of the entire country after a swift and successful military campaign, cutting through the nation to the heart of Kabul. After minor victories by the Afghan army reclaiming a handful of northern districts, the Taliban re-cemented their hold there as well. <clears throat> Burns was sworn in as CIA director on March the 19th. He's been in the Foreign Service for 33 years. CIA, of course, declined to comment on the Washington Examiner uh, to the Washington Examiner on this article. However, we know that Biden has decided that, and in the face of the G7 uh, vote, uh, their points of view, he's decided to go ahead and withdraw. And they're already starting to withdraw uh, for August 31st. Shameful. Totally shameful. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bob Levy. He is the chairman of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website 
at lulubees.com and stop by Lulubees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. He's an author. He's also a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C. and devoted to private property, free markets, securing individual rights, and limited government, C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Cato.org, terrific organization. I hope you'll check it out. So, Bob, last week we started talking about the Collier County Bill of Rights Sanctuary Ordinance that did not pass. However, it's got some interesting implications, so I thought we'd continue the conversation. What are your specific comments about the uh, the uh, ordinance itself? Yeah, it, it, of course, it, it did not pass as an ordinance, meaning it has no effective law, but it did pass as a resolution that is a sense of the Collier County commissioners, and it says basically that any federal act, law, order, rule, or regulation which violates uh, the uh, constitutional rights is null and void and of no effect in Collier County. So the legal framework, which we discussed last week, where first, the state officials don't have to enforce federal laws, and Congress can't mandate that states enact specific laws, but the states can't block federal officials who attempt to force enforce federal law. And, of course, the states can't declare, as the ordinance tried to declare, that uh, uh, a law, federal law, is null and void and no effect in Collier County. That's impermissible. So, in principle, you know, it's okay for the county not to participate in the, in the enforcement of an unconstitutional act. And it's okay not to use county funds to enforce uh, such acts. But that doesn't mean the ordinance... Uh, was valid. Uh, there were no criteria in the bill for determining why uh, federal law uh, is unconstitutional, and apparently the sheriff, who wasn't even under the control 
of the Board of Commissioners made that determination. So w- without those criteria and accountability, um, you know, we we couldn't know how to conform our actions to the dictates of the law. So the I think the law would have been declared void for vagueness and unenforceable. Mm. Um, and uh, accordingly, the fact that it did not pass is a good thing. So what's been uh, going to DeSantis' position on local sanctuary laws? Well, you know, it's interesting because <clears throat> if he was consistent in his treatment of sanctuary cities mm. and counties, he would have asked the Florida legislature to stop this Collier Ordinance Back in uh, 2019, he signed a bill that prevented cities from protecting undocumented immigrants who faced uh, deportation. And as a result, all Florida law enforcement agencies had to cooperate with the federal uh, immigration authorities. And what he said back then was, and this is a quote, he said sanctuary cities basically create law-free zones where people can commit criminal offenses and then just walk right out the door and continue to do it. In Florida, that's not going to happen. I will ensure that no city or county jurisdiction can get in the way of Florida's cooperation uh, with our federal partners. So that's uh, that was his position when he came to immigration, but he, he did not take that position when he came to this Bill of Rights uh, ordinance. Yeah. Yeah, this seems to be exactly the opposite of the uh, immigration rules. In other words, he wants, well, I think what this law looks for, or this ordinance looks for, is uh, more uh, backup for local law officials to enforce local laws and prohibit federal overreach. Right, exactly right. So where do you stand? Well, there's nothing inherently wrong with sanctuary ordinances. So, you know, I support state and local refusal to enforce federal laws in specific areas. You know, for example, I think some of the inhumane immigration policies and these marijuana regulations um, should be uh, ignored. Um, And that's because I consider those laws to be unduly uh, restricted. But I I wouldn't give carte blanche to uh, unspecified officials uh, to determine what federal provisions are unconstitutional. You know, I think you need to address each law case by case, enact specific uh, legislation that would establish the extent of state or local cooperation with the federal enforcement authorities. And, of course, I'd comply with uh, the Supreme Court, which said that uh, you can't interfere with federal authorities if the feds want to come in and enforce their own laws. It reminds me that uh, Nancy Pelosi suggested that she wanted to open up agencies of the Capitol Police around in different states in the nation, including Florida, by the way. To me, that seems like a total federal overreach. I appreciate your comments. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. And, I, you know, if these, uh, if these sanctuary bills are, when they're soundly structured and they're properly implemented, they ought to operate as a one-way ratchet, and that is afford more protection for our rights, yeah. but nevertheless than the protection afforded under federal law. Yeah. So the U.S. Constitution sets a floor and not a ceiling on, on individual liberty. Interesting. So there's also a proposed ordinance establishing a sanctuary for the unborn in the city of Naples. Can a city do that? Well, you know, that's a uh, hot-button uh, hot button issue, of course. And the, uh, the authority of the city uh, is under the city charter to provide 
for the preservation of the health of the inhabitants and make regu- regulations and to regulate hospitals and clinics, etc. Uh, but that delegation does not empower the city to declare that a federal law is unconstitutional. So I would say <clears throat> that the delegation is overbroad, it's too general, it doesn't have a limiting principle. And uh, the, the, the point here is that cities are, they are creations of the state, and so they cannot enact laws unless specifically authorized by the creating state. Mm. So you, you see municipalities controlling you know, parks and recreation and police and fire and uh, transportation and public works, but not the authority to declare laws uh, unconstitutional. So who would be regulated under the sanctuary for the unborn ordinance? Well, it's defined as an, uh, an abortionist is defined as anybody who causes the death of the child at any time, by the way. And it includes medical professionals and uh, like Planned Parenthood, for example, uh, abortion providers. And even if you provide transportation to somebody who goes to an abortion clinic or money to somebody who goes to an abortion clinic, even persons who instruct women on how to get self-abortions. Now, that, by the way, was overturned by a federal judge. And we had a law in Florida that required anybody who counsels women to provide an explanation about the procedure, including alternatives, and register with the state and pay a $200 fee. And the judge found that that was unconstitutionally vague and really just a naked effort to impede uh, speech, so that was thrown out as it should have been. Yeah. So, what are the penalties, and are they constitutional? Well, there's a five thousand dollar penalty per violation, but then the the ordinance says, interestingly, that it only applies if Planned if uh, Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood are overturned. So, really, there's no penalty since they haven't been uh, overturned. But then the ordinance goes on to say that abortion is illegal, notwithstanding that there's no, uh, there's no penalty, uh, except to save the mother's life. So this violates, of course, Planned Parenthood's uh, viability standard, and it doesn't provide even an exception for rape uh, or for incest. And then it goes on to say that the defendant, even though there can't be a penalty, he's liable civilly in a civil suit to the parents, grandparents, siblings, uh, for compensatory and punitive damages and costs and legal fees. And so this really establishes a private right of action for damages, and it punishes a right that's guaranteed by the Constitution. I'm sure the courts would throw that out. That's so interesting. You know, as a reality, <clears throat> there's, I think, an abortion clinic some, about within 200, 300 yards of the city limits of, of Naples. It's, you know, this seems to me somewhat symbolic since actually there would be access outside of the city of Naples. But uh, is it worth it just to have a symbolic law? And pl- on yeah, that? I mean, no practical effect. And, and further, <clears throat> you know, again, if this law were implemented within Naples, I think. Uh, the courts would would slap it down. Interesting. It to be invalid, too vague, and violating Casey's standard. Bob Levy, again, chairman of the Cato Institute, I encourage you to visit Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Bob, as usual, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. 
All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshire Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. That's gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we're with Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So we've got so much to talk about. And uh, obviously, uh, Afghanistan is squeezing all the air out of the room. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So I want to get your thoughts, especially to start off. Well, I think you've defined it absolutely correctly. Afghanistan is uh, the, the major issue, not just because it dominates the headlines, but because it is, in fact, a uh, perhaps a defining element, not only in America's current situation, but perhaps projected into America's future. So I think it's in that type of category. Um, every week with you, I, I've been starting out with the good news that's becoming harder and harder to, to find. But I think there is some good news out there, Bob. Uh, the Supreme Court recently reinstated President Trump's remaining Mexico policy, and I think that was that was good news to see the the court moving in that direction. Of course, it 
remains open, whether the Biden administration will actually enforce that injunction. But I, I think the Supreme Court uh, moving that way, I think, is, is, a, is a solid indication of the objectivity, legal objectivity of the court. I, very good news. Uh, in terms of COVID-19, I just saw some recent statistics, very recent, yesterday, as a matter of fact. Uh, globally, the survival rate is 99.8%. Under 70, the survival rate is 99.997%. And for children, 99.995%. Uh, they also noted that there's very little, this is something we talked about last week, very little, if any, spread by people who are asymptomatic. And I think that's a point that has been vastly, vastly understated. <clears throat> and beyond that, the Delta strain has been measured as being 20 times less deadly than the Alpha strain. So I think uh, in terms of uh, getting an understanding of, of COVID and where we're going with it, these numbers uh, should be encouraging, should be uh, uh numbers that uh, provoke actions in a very specific direction uh, as to whether we'll get those actions that that of course waits to be seen the fda approving the pfizer vaccine seemed to be a uh, a foregone conclusion and i think it's happened primarily so the uh, cdc and fauci and the administration can use that approval by the uh, the the uh, the government uh, to, in fact, pressure more and more people to get vaccinated. Vaccinations, which are proving to be extremely vulnerable to uh, infection after a approximately a six-month period. So, um, you know, I think the real numbers are are meaningful and should uh, should take us in a direction. I think the artificial contrivance with masks and social distancing, and I think we're not quite Australia, perhaps, in terms of what Australia's done, but I think we will once again move in that direction, Bob. Yeah, that's so interesting. Your facts are so interesting to me because, of course, the mainstream media and the administration is basically saying this this is much more virulent, the strain, and uh, people that haven't been vaccinated are going to get much more sick than uh, those that have been vaccinated, and you know, and then, of course, the approval by the FDA just suspiciously has been approving this uh, just in the time to create a pivot for Joe Biden away from Afghanistan and towards other issues in the country. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right, Bob. I think, as as I believe from the beginning, this is a uh, politicized process in yep. almost all of its manifestations. There's no doubt that COVID-19 has been a been a serious process. Uh, uh, problem. Uh, on the other hand, I think it's been vastly overstated and politically manipulated for, for, for their gain. So uh, I think we're seeing more of that with the Pfizer FDA approval at this point. Yeah, I, okay, I, I, Moving I, into Afghanistan, yeah. unless you, you want to comment on that. Oh, I, I would. Just I wanted to do a little shout out again, and I've done it before on the show, but for the uh, uh, monoclonal antibodies made available by our governor for those that may contract the virus and feeling sick, uh, uh, there's locations throughout the state, including Bonita Springs, where we can go and get treatment, apparently, that's been very, very effective in reducing the symptoms. And uh, uh, it's all at no cost. And just all I have to do is make an appointment to go in and spend about an hour, and uh, you're all taken care of. Yeah, well, the general trend right now is to believe that what we should be doing is not trying to prevent COVID-19, but dealing with the uh, the effects of COVID-19, whether right. it's using ivermectin or uh, hydroxychloroquine or any of the other uh, 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 
uh, the <laughs> losing my track pharmaceuticals uh, that might be applicable here. But I think that's the general feeling right now is that we can control, as we did with AIDS, for example, Bob. We we control. We didn't eliminate AIDS as a uh, as a as a health problem, but what we did is control the impact of those symptoms, and, and that seems to be what I'm hearing more and more from uh, from objective uh, medical sources at this point. Absolutely. Well, it's all good news. So let's move to Afghanistan. Well, let me, let me try to create an analogy so I, I can uh, perhaps present the way I, I see this thing. Um, corporations often, when they have some really harsh things that they want to do, they'll bring in a new CEO, a new COO, a CFO, and they come in and they do the dirty work that they want done. For example, they want mass firings, just, just an example. Uh, after that, uh, those dirty deeds are done, the corporation will uh, release that CEO, and then they'll somewhat disassociate themselves from those prior actions. Uh, I think what we're seeing now is a very similar thing with, with Joe Biden. Uh, in, uh, let's see now, on August 20th, I wrote, I think, in uh, sort of a uh, anticipation of this, Joe Biden's convenient incompetence. And the point I made in that essay, Bob, was essentially we're going to see uh, the media and the, the left uh, begin to jettison Joe Biden. Uh, he's done the dirty work. He's uh, attacked our energy supply. He's opened the borders. He's humiliated America in Afghanistan. And I think that the, once those deeds were done, and others, of course, uh, I think they're going to begin to more and more separate themselves from Joe Biden. So I can't give any timing on this, but I certainly would predict that the, the left will jettison Joe Biden. Uh, I'm not advocating Kamala Harris, of course, but that is going to be the probably what will happen. Uh, but again, they, they will disassociate themselves from his policies without once he's gone changing those policies, Bob. That is such an interesting observation. Of course, I'm a familiar uh, with the corporate behavior of exactly what you just described. Uh, and Biden coming in as doing the bad guy, doing the bad guy stuff. You know, he looks incompetent, but it makes me, you know, I just, everything he's doing, it has to be on purpose. He can't be that stupid. Well, I mean, I was listening to Laura Logan, who I really admire, and she yeah. said, uh, based on the, the series of events, the administration must want this outcome in Afghanistan. Uh, she and I, and certainly many who understand what's going on over there, at least the, to the degree we can, uh, cannot believe this degree of incompetence would happen accidentally. Right. Uh, it would almost be impossible to believe. Well, in fact, uh, I watched uh, her on uh, Tucker Carlson today. He did an hour interview with her. If you haven't seen it, it's just, un I'm, I'm speaking to my audience now, I just really encourage you uh, to watch Tucker Carlson interview Laura Logan because she says, look, everything that's happening is on purpose because we have the capacity to do anything we want militarily, and the Taliban couldn't stop it. So they've obviously decided to just demonstrate a, a position of weakness. I mean, right now the uh, head of the CIA went to, to, uh, to Kabul, went to the uh, Afghanistan and met with the head of the uh, uh, t Taliban and uh, came back, and apparently the decision is we got to get out by August 31st. If that's what they want I, us to do. Unbelievable. I, I do not understand the CIA being involved with a diplomatic mission to Afghanistan. I, I know it's, you know, he was going uh, as the uh, representative of the Biden administration. On the other hand, the CIA is extremely suspect in Afghanistan. Uh, it's uh, strongly suggested that once uh, President Trump announced that his intent was to withdraw, that was when the CIA uh, started to build the case for the bounty offered by the Russians on, on American lives. 
Uh, and so the CIA has a has a deep investment. The CIA and the Pentagon has a deep investment uh, in Afghanistan, the desire to stay. And then again, there's many people su suggesting, uh, Glenn Greenwald, for example, uh, uh, has suggested, a reporter, very excellent investigative reporter, ha has suggested that the, uh, the uh, this whole process uh, the the chaos has really been ultimately orchestrated by the CIA. I have no proof of that, but Greenwald has, has offered that. Uh, so to have the CIA, Burns, be our representative, essentially, in a closed and secret meeting with the head of the Taliban uh, is just very suspect to me, Bob, in terms of its implications. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've uh, evacuated tens of thousands of people. About, uh, what, something like 5,000 of them are U.S. citizens, and they estimate there could be upwards of 40,000, maybe even more, 40,000 people, uh, American citizens, in Afghanistan, all parts of Afghanistan. So uh, given the deadline of August 31st, there's no chance these people will be stranded uh, in spite of what uh, Jim Psaki has to say about it. Well, let me make a prediction about that. I think as of August 31st, uh, presuming that date holds firm, I see no reason why it has to, but it probably will. Uh, I think what we'll, what we'll see is the administration announcing that the Americans left behind have decided that they wanted to stay in Afghanistan. So I think they'll not be huh. defined as having been stranded, but uh, been voluntarily staying in Afghanistan. Who in their right mind would stay in Afghanistan <laughs> with the Taliban in charge? That is so. That is preposterous. There's, there's no way that anybody uh, <laughs> would believe that. Uh, well, but again, that's, that doesn't stop the administration from going in those directions. Yeah, you're you're, you're right. absolutely right. Let me just get back to Laura Logan for a second. And again, I, I really admire Laura Logan. But let me let me point out a, a few things that I think are were missing from her understanding of Islam. Uh, Laura Logan said that this was not a religious conflict because uh, in many cases, Muslims are killing other Muslims. She seemed to lose track of the fact that once a Muslim is declared to be an apostate by another Muslim, that the ability to kill another Muslim is allowed within Islam. So I think what we're seeing here, and this happens consistently between Sunni and, Sunni and Shia, uh, is that they declare the opposing Muslim to be an apostate and therefore no longer protected under, under Islamic law, first thing. Second thing is, the, she's talking to a, uh, a Taliban leader. I, she, I don't know if she did not understand or it didn't make any difference in, the, in that context. Uh, but Muslims are not only allowed to lie in the defense of Islam, but they are required to lie mm -hmm. in the defense of Islam. This is the process in Islam that's called taqiyya. Uh, there's also a variation of deceit, which is called kitman. And so, and, and again, I'm not uh, faulting Alara Logan. I'm, I'm more pointing this out for your, for your listeners, uh, that uh, a, a Muslim discussing Islam must lie and deceive in the defense and the propagation of Islamic success. The third thing <clears throat> that I'd like to point out is that we believe, and many believe, that terrorism is the end destination of the, uh, of the, Islamic, uh, the Islamist. In fact, terrorism is a tactic that is invoked when it's needed by the, uh, by the Islamic uh, uh, radical, uh, but it is not their intent. In other words, uh, if they are succeeding, as they are now, Bob, mm -hmm. uh, they will not use uh, terrorism on a large scale, at least, uh, to affect the, the Western world. They do not want to wake that sleeping uh, tiger at all. Uh, so, again, uh, they, too often we think that terrorism is the purpose, and it, it is not a purpose. It is a tactic that is invoked 
uh, for the for the, uh, the the leverage gain that might be authored uh, offered by by a successful terrorist attack. So, I, I'd like your your leaders to understand that uh, this is an Islamic issue we're talking about here. As we throw around the names Taliban and ISIS and ISIS K and um, Al Qaeda and so forth, uh, really we are talking about Islam and we are talking about the internal conflicts in Islam. But ultimately, Bob. Uh, the Islamic Ummah, the Islamic family will be unified, and the stronger it gets, the more unified it will become, Bob. Yeah, and uh, certainly Afghanistan will become a base for all kinds of terrorism, which, much to the light of Iran, who, by the way, as you described, the, the purpose of uh, uh, terrorism is, is uh, it, it's not an end, it's a means to an end, and uh, although the Iranians come very close to making it an end. Well, I, I, I tend to agree, and certainly there can be individual um, components of uh, the Islamic radical movement uh, and process that will act in that manner strictly for the uh, fulfillment of terrorism, but that is not what this general process is about. Yeah. Uh, it, is, it is using terrorism as it's needed uh, to gain additional leverage. Uh, as we're talking about this, to me, at, at this point, Bob, my, my biggest concern is, is Pakistan. Uh, certainly, uh, Pakistan is strongly affected and influenced by the Taliban. That's been historically identified. There are strong um, control elements of, tal of the Taliban in Pakistan. If, and this is a big F, if, of course, if the Taliban ever gains complete control of, of Pakistan in the way they're gaining control and have gained control of Afghanistan, uh, and Pakistan with nuclear weapons. I think we're looking at an incredibly different ballgame. Uh, I cannot see it, that uh, once that would happen, that there wouldn't be the uh, extension of uh, Pakistani nuclear weapons into Iran, if that is even necessary at this point, Bob. That is such an interesting observation, although I believe that if, uh, Pakistan has it actually house, houses the uh, Taliban uh, during the uh, non-season, the uh, you know the, uh, when the, when it gets cold and snowy and that kind of thing, I think they all go into Pakistan to for for protection. But I didn't realize that they all out, could actually become a threat uh, to the Pakistani government. Well, I mean, I I think there's very little doubt. And as I as I indicated before, as there is a uh, an increase and show of strength by uh, the, the the Taliban, uh, Al Qaeda. Uh, an insertion, probably an insertion of ISIS, although I'm not convinced that they weren't there uh, for an extended period of time. I, I think you'll find greater strength growing in Pakistan for for that process in, in that country. Uh, so I think this is a, an extremely dangerous situation. Right now in Afghanistan, I believe that the majority of the damage that can be done to the United States has been done. In other words, the humiliation of the United States, I think there was absolutely no reason to get out. It could be debated whether we should have gotten out. That's mm -hmm. a debate. Uh, but essentially, was there a need to get out? Absolutely not. And I think, uh, and again, on uh, 821, sort of a, a bit ahead of the curve, I indicated there was no need to leave Afghanistan. Uh, I wrote, let me just quote, quote myself here if I might. Uh, we've already paid the price in terms of American lives lost and dollars invested. Now is the time to reap the benefits of those often regrettable investments. The time to voluntarily abandon Afghanistan was long gone. If it was offered in 2003 or four that we had to leave, I might have agreed, but not now. Mm -hmm. So I think what we're looking at right now is a, 
uh, is a process that did not have to occur. We could have left a, uh, a certainly a somewhat token force of, of, of American military. They could have been focused in on the Bagram Air Force Base. As a matter of fact, the closing of that, of that Air Force Base was just so preposterous in terms of the total uh, flow of events that it's hard. We're getting back to our original discussion about the uh, could this be incompetence, the closing of Bagram. I, I just don't see as it being an act of incompetence, but an act of intent. Uh, if we look also at the abandoning of our uh, of our weaponry, and much of it was not just uh, abandoned per se, uh, much of it was moved by the Taliban into the uh, the safer area of Pakistan. Uh, so I, you know, we're looking at as as Biden described the uh, Afghan military, one of the best equipped militaries in the world. I think we're looking at a Taliban that has to be defined as being one of those best equipped militaries in the world. Now they're lacking certainly the support services. Uh, uh, the uh, the ability to maintain the the equipment, the ability to even use the equipment. Uh, on the other hand, there was many uh, second second uh, degree uh, weaponry that uh, will fall into the hands of the Taliban. That'll make them a much more formidable force. I don't think the United States can safely reinsert themselves into Afghanistan in force. Uh, considering the weaponry that we have put at their disposal at this point. Well, quite uh, my my opinion is that uh, these uh, helicopters and other equipment that probably the Afghan soldiers can't operate, they're probably on their way right now to China and to Russia and to other places that can use this technology, reproduce it, and uh, use it against us. I, I think that's, that certainly is true. I, I also think we tend to totally overstate the ignorance of the Taliban. Uh, certainly, in general, they are—they are that. They're—they're they're the primitives in the seventh century, and I've heard all the the rhetoric about them. On the other hand, uh, there are there are members of that group that are uh, Western educated, Western trained, and uh, to believe that they're going to sit back and not acquire some of the skills necessary to use this advanced weaponry, I think is. Uh, is perhaps uh, wishful thinking rather than a reality. Bob. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point. Although there, it will require training, uh, it's such. A, and of course, we haven't even talked about the implications of bringing these thousands, tens of thousands of people, Afghans, over here to the United States. It's, it's uh, just really un unbelievable. Andy, I just well, move on. Move on. Org. One of the major mouthpieces of the political left uh, is actively calling for the. Um, evacuation of at least a hundred thousand Afghanis. Yeah. Now we've already seen some of the problems that uh, random evacuations from Afghanistan in the past have, have produced in terms of negative impact in Europe. Now I certainly have a great empathy and, and uh, need to uh, give assistance to those Afghanis that have been there by our side helping us out. On the other hand, to evacuate a, a, I think that's most of what we're seeing now, as a matter of fact, Bob. I, I can't uh, detail those numbers, but I think that it's uh, probably, I'm, I'm going to say obviously true, that many, if not most, of the evacuees have not been accurately vetted or meaningfully vetted uh, as they're leaving uh, Afghanistan. And I'd like to ask the question of the Muslim world. Where is the Muslim world in supporting their fe fellow Muslims that are under uh, under these life-threatening pressures in, in Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, we had the same problem in Syria. We were being asked to take in in Syria, Syrian uh, refugees during that period of time, and the, uh, the, uh, the Muslim world offered no assistance uh, in that uh, relocation of these uh, Syrian refugees. And we're seeing the same thing uh, again. 
just as a, as a brief thought, we're also seeing a, uh, a movement of Saudi Arabia to militarily and politically align themselves with Russia. Uh, I think they're seeing a weakness of the American um, will in that area of the world, and Saudi Arabia is moving to uh, alignments of some degree with, uh, with Russia. I think what we're also seeing is China uh, beginning to insert itself into Afghanistan Absolutely. for the incredible level of mineral resources that are available. And one final thought, we're going to see the world's su supply of opium expand exponentially as the the poppy fields of uh, of Afghanistan expand dramatically. Absolutely. Andy Joppa, again, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, which is, by the way, a terrific reader. I encourage you to get a copy, Josephus of Oz. Andy, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's hope there's better news by next week. I hope so. Thank you, Andy. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You should check it out. You can download the app from the Choice Social US website, choicesocial.us. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of many books. His latest is a great read. It's called What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure, indeed. 
And, and uh, you uh, write, of course, a column for uh, uh, Newsmax. It's called On Point. And, and I'm finding now there are two or three uh, columns coming in per week. The latest is Allies Abhor America's Afghan Abandonment as Adversaries Applaud. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, it's, uh, as, as I think we all realize, it's, it's, it's a tragic mess in, in uh, Afghanistan right now, and not just in Afghanistan, but really uh, much broader than that. Uh, the uh, withdrawal, if you want to call it that, uh, is, you know, really giving us all withdrawal pains, but the withdrawal is really, I can't get, I can't get the horrific plight of those people that are left behind, Americans, mm. uh, and what they have looked forward to and and they hold to the deadline and on the end of this month. And, uh, you know, they will be absolutely, literally hostages to, to the Taliban and Al Qaeda and ISIS. And, uh, it's just, just unbelievable. And, and, uh, those that worked with us, but so there's one, one set of horrors there, but then the other set of horrors is that, is that we leave the country and we just, I cannot imagine how we abandoned Bagram Air Base and also one at Kandahar that not only could have provided uh, evacuation is so critical right now because, mm -hmm. you know, the country, again, is about the size of Texas. We got people spread all over that country that can't, can't get out and the roads are shut down to them and, but Bagram was also our eyes and ears. It was an information center. And so as we leave, we have no intel. You know, we can't, this over-the-horizon uh, capability notion is, is is not adequate. You know, the, the drones have to spend a significant part of their travel just getting there and back and uh, very little reconnaissance time or whatever. And uh, so as much as really naked and blind as far as future terrorism threats and we plus we we burned off all of our friends and you can imagine that you know Russia is really exploiting us for their benefit they're mm -hmm. gonna keep us close out of the countries that surround uh, Afghanistan make sure we can't do any basing there and China's eager to get their uh, you know their their various materials uh, minerals out of out of the country and and uh, and uh, we have Afghanistan as biggest trading partner is Iran, oil for money, and and uh, boy, we have really stirred up a mess that uh, uh, to me it's just unfathomable. Apparently, uh, this decision was made without the consultation of the G7, and apparently, I mean, they're they're pleading with Trump or with uh, Biden, excuse me, not Trump, with Biden to. Uh, Stay the course and stay after August 31st, but he's unilaterally made the decision. No, I'm just, uh, this is what we're going to do. To me, it's just absolutely on the world stage, just another dimension of this. It's absolutely abhorrible, ab abhorrent that uh, the president would leave us with this kind of a stained image uh, leaving Afghanistan. Well, we managed to make everybody mad um, and uh, depressed. I understand that. You know, our, our allies were trying to get Biden to extend the deadline past August 31st, and he wouldn't concede to that. I think he's, you know, he, he doesn't want the bad optic of of having everyone go against him. It, you know, the, the notion that, again, going back to, Bag, uh, back to Bagram, 
we pulled out in the middle of the night without even informing the, the United Nations troops and in, in leadership that oh. we were leaving and left all the materials behind, left the, this is a huge airport, I mean, it was the size of a small city and, and uh, just abandoned that, we abandoned all the weapons uh, uh, and didn't, didn't even tell the base commander that we were leaving. Um, no coordination at all with our allies on this and they've got they've got blood and treasure invested in this and uh, I don't know I, I cynically but I think really realistically uh, Biden administration wanted a, a trophy they wanted a photo op for 9-11 hmm. they could say we got the troops out and that's going to be the most expensive photograph in terms of human suffering and and and, and strife and, and resources probably in the history of the world. It's, it's just tragic. Tragic indeed. Uh, and uh, as incompetent as this, uh, Biden appears, I can't but think about the, that this is all on purpose for some reason to want to make us look weak and make us look like a uh, banana republic. I, I just don't understand his motivation. Well, I think it's giving it too much credit, I think. I think he is weak as, as we look at his his whole indistinguished, undistinguished history as, as a political flack in Washington. He's, there's no accomplishments. He's, you know, the, the guy has cognitive problems, which are a little hard to avoid noticing, and you know, they got him in, you know, and they, they filled him with this notion that he's the next FDR and, and Napoleon all combined, and... And uh, they filled him full of this nonsense, you know, this this uh, grandiose view of himself. And he and and uh, we don't know who's calling the shots. You know, we know there's there's Ron Klain and there's you know Susan Rice and there's you know some of the Obama holdovers and so on. But we have we have a we have no definable leadership today. And then when you look at the our woke generals are more worried about white rage than they are about, you know, you know, sens sensible uh, strategies. Uh, it's really terrifying. It's it's beyond embarrassing for the country. But uh, I think it's going to be decades before you know. This makes Sagan look like look like it was a well planned operation. Yeah. And uh, God, God, I, I just can't help but you know just believe for the, the people that are left behind the horrors that they face, both oh. Americans as well as, as well as the Afghans. Can you imagine the fear that they must harbor at this point, counting on us to bring them out safely, hearing nothing, and getting no communications? And uh, it's, it'd be like drowning. I just can't imagine. Again, Professor Larry Bell and Dad, Professor at the University of Houston, I just encourage you to read... What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional? It's a great read. Also, go to Newsmax.com and check out uh, Professor Bell's columns uh, on point. You can find it on Newsmax.com. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, on tomorrow, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with Brad Palumbo. He is a correspondent with the Foundation for Economic Education. Always appreciate our interviews with Brad. Seton Motley is the founder and publisher of uh, 
less government, and president of less government. He's also, we're going to visit with uh, Naples. Former Mayor Bill Barnett, he always has interesting comments on what's happening here locally. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you can make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.